0: Gig Gab, the show for working musicians, episode 357 for Monday, September 12th, 2022. Welcome to Gig Gab, the show that is by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: Here in where am I? No, Napomo, California. It's Paul Kent.
0: I don't know. I never know where you are. I had to pause as I was saying the date today because uh I realized as I was saying September twelfth that that this would have been Neil Peart's 70th birthday.
1: It I is, was going to surprise you and 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 see if you knew that today.
0: I did know that today. Uh it the, the an very interesting thing is that it also is the 30th anniversary of the first date that my wife Lisa
1: and I uh, took together. So is that coincidental or is that Yeah, was it ver- that planned. I
0: was I don't know. Well, I mean <laughs> it has nothing <laughs> to do with the late Mr. Peart. Uh I was she was <laughs> I joke that she's the groupie gone awry. You know, you're not supposed to marry the groupie. Uh, she was coming to a bunch of our gigs. I, I'll, I'll spare everybody this story about how we met on a bus, but uh, maybe I'll share that another time. But she was coming to a bunch of our gigs and we would hang out like at set breaks and things like that. And I was supposed to play a gig at Apple's Cafe in Stamford, Connecticut, where a place where the band I was in, Go Figure, played a bunch and like on the Tuesday of that week or something, we were supposed—I think it was a Saturday night. Uh, we were supposed to. We we got word that the gig had been canceled by the club for some reason. I I I can't tell you why. You know, um, Eddie, the guy that owned it was was kind of—he was—he was a good guy, but he was sort of manic all the time. So there were constant like changes and things like that. But it was fine. So I thought, oh, I got to let uh, Lisa know. Now this was you know before the days where people other than nerdy Dave had internet access. And so I looked, I guess I looked at our mailing list, which I maintained on my computer, like our snail mailing list. And then I, I used that to look up her phone number and called her. And um, I I told her, I, you know, we weren't going to be playing. (laughs) And I said, well, maybe we should get together. So we went and had Indian food and uh, the rest, as they say, is, uh, has been a wonderful history. So yeah,
1: there you go. You do have an awesome life, man.
0: I uh, thank you for saying that. And I agree wholeheartedly. I am a fortunate. I, I lead a charmed life. And that is but one part of it. One big part of it. Yeah. I um, did you play gigs this weekend, Paul?
1: I had one freaking fantastic gig this weekend. I drove up and we played a festival. Something crazy has happened in the last two or three festivals. We've all of a sudden perfected getting 10 guys on stage, mic ready to go in about 23 minutes. It's the last two or three times we've had to do this, it has been butter, butter, butter. I don't know what it is, it might be the in ears, but um, yeah, but uh, geesh, it's been great. So, anyway, we play, we, we got stage, we were kind of the headliner for the day. Great crowd, great weather, It had been very, very hot up in the Bay Area, uh, and it broke a little bit. It was kind of East coast weather, you know, it was like, I do know <laughs> you know exactly
0: what you mean. <laughs> yeah.
1: Grace, gray sky. You can feel the air pretty clear. Very foreign in California. They call it earthquake weather for some reason, but oh. um, yeah, I, I don't know why that it's is, a, but it's um, a whole
0: different kind of loaded thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: But, uh, we, we were just great. I mean, I was, it, you know, I I will say when we, we're not at our best, sure. Uh, and and I'll say when it's just an average gig or a good gig. And and you know, usually we, we we're pretty good most of the time. I'm you know it, it, we I've told you we've been butter for a pretty long time. Then we took a little detour from butter, and I got to say we're getting back to butter. But this was really it was fun. The band sounded big. You know, I always like the band before us was a good band, a well known local band, um, great uh, females front singer. Um, And they're very good, and they get a lot of corporate work. And um, whenever there's a band like that, very polished before us, we're a different style, right? And so we have to come out and kind of really be us. You know, we have to really just have that big 10-piece sound energy. You know, that's how you—that's, to me, how you differentiate my band— from a band with an awesome female singer, you right. know, cause they cover a lot of ground, right? Yeah. So how do we be, how do we be a great dude band? And, uh, we just came out and we crushed it and we just, we owned That's it great. two straight hours, no break. And it was great. That's awesome.
0: That's great. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you're getting the logistics down too. I had some, uh, interesting logistics this weekend. I, well, I, I, I said, I'd lead a charmed life and it's true, one of actually two of the things that make up that charmed life is I play in two fantastic bands right now with mm-hmm. uh, we've got great players, great songs, just like and I got to play with both of those bands this weekend, that being Bitter Pill on Friday night and Fling on Saturday night. Bitter Pill's gig was at a uh, this brewery place down in Alston, Mass, just kind of the like on the outskirts of Boston. And it was it was great. There was a great sound engineer there. The The gig was great. We had to play seven to 10. So we did three 45 ish minute sets and it was a pretty laid back thing. It's a brew like a food truck and stuff. And it's a cool little vibe outside. And, uh, the third set, we wound up kind of stretching things a little bit. I Stretching might be the, the wrong word, but we wound up – we were very comfortable and we wound up playing some things and playing around with some things in some really interesting ways. I, I think it was really good for the band – to feel that relaxed on stage as a counter mm. to like the festival gigs where you know you're hurried to get there and and you you know you play your one set usually uh you know and it's like all right we got to pack our best material this was more like okay we've got to we've got to think about the night here and be intentional so that we're good all the way through and we're not leaving ourselves hanging at the end. And and we did a really yeah. good job at that. I think like maybe that's really the lesson that we learned is, yeah, we can do this and we can, we can end and feel really confident all the way through the night. And, uh, and we did, everybody played really well. And and like I said, and we played together. It was, it was fantastic. It really, really went well. Um, uh, And I, I came out of that gig on a high. It was just like, this is, this is how it should be. Um uh, and and you know more like this please right yeah so yeah no it was good um Saturday night Fling played a, a an outdoor venue not quite the same vibe but you know similar enough where people are just hanging out here in
1: how long since Fling performed
0: uh it's been two weeks three weeks something like that oh, okay yeah I thought it was longer no we played that that library benefit like that was on the other side of the state or something for the kids or something like that. So yeah, it's been, it's just been a few weeks. And um, so we went into this gig, but it was also a seven to 10. And I was, we had um, uh, an opening band that was supposed to play with us. And then earlier this week we found out uh, that they couldn't. And so uh, we were, we, we began the process of sort of scrambling to find another opening band. And, and and at that point I was like, wait, 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 Let's not like let's let's just play. We can we can cover seven to ten. We'll throw in some extra covers and stuff. I've actually been having fun with the fling set list. We have we basically have, you know, two solid sets of originals and uh, we throw in some covers throughout the night. But what's really great because fling has this deep catalog of covers is we're playing the same originals every time we play, because if, as long as we're doing a two set night, if it's, if it's a one setter, then we can, you know, sort of pick and choose and and move it around a little. But otherwise we're playing the same originals uh, every night, which is fine. You know, that that's, that's kind of how it works at at this stage of the the evolution. No, it's like, it's great. But what we get to do, or what I get to do is the one crafting the set list is swap out the covers. So we like from gig to gig, if you come to see us two nights in a row, you will not get, or two, even two weekends in a row, you will not get the same covers peppered in through the set. And so that's kind of a fun way to, to mix it up and and keep things interesting. And um, we're having yeah. fun with it. Yeah. And in addition to rearranging the the flow of the sets, uh, you know, the, so it it that part of it's been really fun. And knowing that, and that being the one that crafts the set list, I felt very confident that we could very easily do a seven to 10 night, 345, just like Bitter Pill did. It would have been great. But uh, momentum kept things moving and and we wound up with an opening band. And as we were coming into it, I realized, okay, you know, we're doing our own sound at this gig. And I realized, thinking back, as this was sort of unfolding, thinking back on on gigs over the last, say, year uh, with Fling, where we do our own sound and have other bands, uh, that it... It really becomes a, an evening of not fun for me for a variety of reasons. Number one, I am the chief sound engineer, which means I have to get there. And, and usually when we have a, a, an opening band or a band playing with us, you know, we're using my drums. And so I've got to set up my drums, get things right, then move my snare drum and cymbals out of the way so the opening band's drummer can be there. Set up all a fling sound, sound check the opening band, run the sound for the opening band then when they finish, I've got to, you know, cut the sound over to whatever Fling needs and thankfully we have enough inputs on the board so even if they're using Fling's microphones, I literally move the the inputs to empty channels for the opening band so I'm not ever messing with what we've got going with Fling, which is great. Um, but you know, I've got to you cut off
1: all... like you can save scenes and stuff like, you know, you I know, can save board of yours.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I I've got the um I've got the Mackie board. I can save scenes for sure. But in a in a time crunch scenario like that it, there are all the, doing it with scenes regardless of the mixer i've always found things where it's like oh crap i've made a change here to like the way the the while i'm doing the sound for the for the opening band for example i might uh make a change to the way say the kick drum is eq'd now that's the same kick drum that it's going to be that's the one thing that doesn't cut over right because it's it's going to be the same kick drum Or I'll make a change to the way the mains are eq'd. Well, if I cut to a different scene, all that stuff is lost, right? Like I'm now going back to where it was. So it's just easier to move inputs and it's fine that, but you know, it's a thing that needs to happen and then I need to reset up my drums and then it's like, okay, I got to play. And you know, there's no break in there by the way, in case you, you know, in case you were counting along at home. (laughs) So it's, it's this thing where I said to the guys, I'm like, look, if we're doing our own sound going forward, like we'll do it tonight, and it's it'll be fine, and I'm in, and I'll make it sound good, and like I'm, you know, I'm 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 I've bought in for tonight. It's fine. Going forward, uh, you know, if there's enough money, I'd rather it, not. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. not. Like, yeah, exactly. I said, look, if there's, I mean, if if we're playing a gig with Bitter Pill, that's easy because I know how to do the sound for both bands, and guess what? I'm the drummer for both bands, so I like I can get that rolling. That's fine, but um, but otherwise, it, it's like it, you know, if we want to do this if there's enough money on the table, hire a sound engineer and just let them do it. And then I'm, I love playing with other bands. I just don't want to have to be both the sound guy and the, you know, and the, uh, and the drummer. It's just a lot of it. It really becomes a night of work, not a night of like fun and playing. And so it went fine. We didn't really get a sound check for fling because of the way we had to kind of set things up, which of course happens. And then, um, you know, and I halfway, well, even in the first set, my snare drum started acting weird, like the, the strainer on it, which is the thing that that brings the snares up or, or you know, brings them up against the bottom head to make it sound like a snare drum or you drop them off and it sounds like a, you know, a tom or whatever. Uh, that started monkeying with me and it actually monkeyed with me mo- once at the Bitter Pill gig. I just noticed it had fallen like off and so I pulled it back up, but it was really fighting me at this fling gig and I should have grabbed another drum because i have i as always i have a spare snare drum and uh at one point during the set i said well, hang on i gotta i need to mess with this and so i messed with it for a couple of seconds and and then i realized one of my the left channel of my in-ears wasn't working and it was like wait a minute like it worked 30 seconds ago before i messed with my snare drum and now it doesn't work and i still actually they're sitting right here i gotta go through that So it was just one of these nights of like, okay, man, like I'm never gonna really get into it. I I actually felt pretty good about my playing, all you know, all things considered, but it's tough to be in the in the moment of a gig where you've got like technical glitches all over the place, which kind of a bar.
1: It really throws me off. I mean, I can definitely empathize with that. Yeah, once your head is gone, because you go, you're like, all right, what else is going to go wrong? Or, you know, you're you're focused on that thing. Is it really fixed? Is it right? really
0: fixed? Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, it's hard. I get it.
0: Yeah. So it was just one. And, it you know, it uh, happened to be those two problems were not related to the fact that we had an opening band or any of that. Like those were just their own sort of things that chose to plague me on that night. But um, but yeah, I was just like, man, it was so stacked up. By the time I got home, I was like, all right, whew, thank goodness that's over. You know, <laughs> like I made it. I survived. I'm back home. I have a couple of pieces of gear I need to take a look at before this weekend's gigs. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, you know, made it through. But those are the things like you learn and, you know, there's there's. There, you get some content out of it for your podcast. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a
1: glass half full type of guy. Ah,
0: uh, you gotta find you gotta find the half full glass somewhere. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, we got an email from listener Jason, and this is somebody that we had uh, talked to and I think talked about on the show a while back, where he was asking our opinion on whether we thought it was a good idea to offer or agree to a discount for the first gig uh, in order to get your foot in the door so that you can earn, you know, your, your fair wage, your full wage down the road. And we shared our thoughts on that when, when this happened, Paul, back in January. And uh, today we got an email from Jason to feedback at gig podcast.com where he says, um, it seems like that strategy has really paid off. And it's a university-affiliated venue, uh, if you don't remember from January, which I don't expect you all do. Uh, <laughs> and so this, there, was, there was some reason to think that, that this might work out. And he says, uh, so it's really worked out, though I've had to do a little more wheeling and dealing than I like. The first booking last spring was the heavily discounted one. Their event was poorly attended, at least it seemed that way to us, though people reacted to us well, including the woman who booked us. She contacted us to play at a large charity event, which happened a few weeks ago. I quoted her our full full price, and she balked a little. After a little back and forth, I gave her a small discount on the charity event, which was the uh, same we gave to another nonprofit charity event, so they kind of used their own charity pricing for that, in exchange for booking us for two of their football tailgates this fall at full price. In the end, it's proving to be a fruitful relationship. Uh, He says the charity event went well, and also got good feedback that there were so many different things going on that we were really just background music, except for a handful of diehard dancers. And based on some Instagram Instagram posts of their last football tailgate, those events may end up being similar. Load in and out is extremely inconvenient. Elevators with security passwords. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't. Have you ever had to deal with a security password on the elevator for a gig, man?
1: I don't know if nope. I have.
0: Man, yeah. He says, "But the money's now decent, at least, and I'm hoping at some point it will generate some more private event bookings from their members." Yeah, that's I've certainly found that with with the university gigs. So I, I'm glad this really worked out, Jason, and thank you for following up with us. It's great to hear kind of the you know we we get the beginning of a lot of these stories, and it's nice to have the end of it, or at least a, you know a check in in the middle of it. So
1: yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, simple. The, people just need innovative. You know, they got to figure figure it out. You know fine i think the key to that story with jason is is that the you know like don't give money away needlessly if you know if right. you have little to believe that it could lead to something else then that that's just throwing money away right but um if there if you know enough about the client you know that they do a lot of events you know the types of bands they like to the events and you, you literally just got to get your foot in the door because they don't know you or your or how you're different from anybody else it just makes so much sense you know play the long game yeah
0: but make sure you can see the long game right like that and and here jason clearly could like back in january he he believed he could see the long game really he was coming to us for a sanity check but uh i mean i think so you know that's kind of how i how i remember it but yeah i like that's it yeah look at look at the long game do you see one there and it you got to be careful not to employ too much wishful thinking in those situations.
1: Oh, I, I do agree with that. And actually, there's one thing that was in his email that you just said about how response was good, right? Yeah. I I always – I hear that and I think about how – I think about how many times I hear that, you know, people – People perceive they went over well. It's just a matter of convincing the booking person, right? Right. And I'm I'm thinking about, um, like, confirmation bias, you know, like... Yeah. Like, we really all, as musicians, really like to hear that people like our music, right? Of course. And... And the ability for us to kind of take one good comment, and I, I'm not saying Jason did this. I'm not saying that at all. No, in fact, I, his saying, his
0: his comments were pretty realistic. He said there was, you know, it was a small amount of people paying attention, but the people that were liked it and including the booking woman, which is the key in those scenarios. Yes. Right?
1: yes. Yeah. I just I find myself often, you know. Art is one of those things where, you know, many people are fragile. I certainly am, you know, like I would be very sensitive to criticism and overly uh, I I would put way too much weight on on the good comments. Right. Whereas, you know, probably if you were to take any realistic performance, you're probably, you know. You're on a scale. I'm not going to say you're somewhere in the middle. I'm going to say you're on a scale somewhere. So be careful about about the about the good comments. Coloring too much how something is yeah, and the same way throw, you know, if you get one bad comment, it doesn't mean the whole gig was bad. It means you got one bad comment. So <clears throat> confirmation bias when evaluating how you're doing or, you know, or, or being able to turn that into something that you can turn to a booker, I guess that's the most practical thing to say here. It's like, we went over well, people really liked it. We got a good reception. And um, I would say, you know, who would go to a booker and say, well, the reception wasn't really good this time, but it was going to be really good next time. Yeah, right? but it's so going to be
0: great. That's right.
1: It's going to be great. Yeah. So, you know, the relative weighting, relative value of how you interpret and use um, positive feedback, I think, is an interesting thing.
0: I like that. Yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good thing for us all to remember that, you know, it, you got to take all the feedback with with appropriate yeah. grains of salt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, um, speaking of feedback, I, uh, mm. <laughs> I went and saw sting last night and, oh. and I, I have some things to share about it. What, what are your, th- what are your thoughts on, on sting here?
1: So I like the police fine. Okay. And I haven't been a huge, I haven't been a tremendously big fan of, of sting's solo work. I appreciate the musicality of it. I appreciate the quality of musicians who participate in sting tours, this thing to me is, um, it's, it's just a little bit too far to the avant-garde side of, of rock music to be enjoyable for me. I think I've shared before, I'm not, I'm not a huge Steely Dan fan, and not because I don't appreciate that they're cool songs, all that type of stuff. Mostly, I just don't feel comfortable with, with uh, art that people project their, their personal style onto. OK, Does that makes sense.
0: I, I mean, I, other than that last bit, I'm not sure what that means. I feel like every artist is pro- projecting their personal style. Mm-hmm. But but I, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, Ste- Steely Dan Sting, in their own ways are very much uh, in that sort of, you know, rock jazz fusion realm, even though most people probably wouldn't put them there. But, yeah, you know, it's. It's um, it avant-garde is is a good word to use. I think there's or a good term to use. I, I think there's others, yeah. I, but I I agree with you, right? I I happen to like Steely Dan and Sting for exactly the same reasons that it doesn't appeal to you, and that's totally okay. Like that's I mean, that's. But the, for some
1: reason, Peter Gabriel does appeal to me, and so many yeah. Prague things do appeal to me.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. I would say you're right that Peter Gabriel's more in that Prague side of pop music than sting is kind of more in the avant-garde jazz side although they could all be described as avant-garde but yeah i might mean, no, that, know that i mean listen this is the beauty of art right you we we can both see the same thing in it and one of us can enjoy it and the other one cannot enjoy it and we're both correct right because we're talking about what we enjoy so right. I, you said two things that really strike a chord for me with the conversation that I feel like I I need to share here. And that was that you appreciate the musicality and you appreciate the quality of musicians that play with these people, uh, especially, you know, Sting. And I've seen Sting a bunch and I've gotten every time I go to see Sting, uh, every musician on stage is fantastic, especially the drummers, right? I mean, you know, I can... I can go through Sting's former drummers and use their first names only, and for most musicians, that's all I need, right? Because he had—well, he started with Stuart, right? And then he had Omar and Manu and uh, then Vinny for a very long time and then Josh and then Keith— and uh, and 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 now he's on to this guy, Zach Jones, who I want to talk about. But, you know, like we're talking about Vinnie Kaliuta and Josh Freeze and Keith Carlock and Manu Kache and Omar Hakim. And, of course, Stuart Copeland. These are I, <laughs> I was texting with a a drummer whose name I will not mention because you've all heard him play. Uh, but uh, I was texting with him after the show last night and his comment, the comment that he made was was the best way I can say it. He says, yeah, Sting needs to have a fire breather back there. And he, you know, my my way of thinking about it is Sting needs someone, a drummer playing the gig who can be respectful, obviously, but who in, in his own head and perhaps even quietly, although Stuart Copeland would be accepted here because it's a different relationship. He wasn't hired by Sting. He was, you know, in a band with him. But the drummer feels like they could be playing a better gig, like not that there's anything wrong with Sting's gig, but they could play something far more technically challenging. Right. That's that's the kind of drummer that Sting always has. And I've come to trust that that's what I would see. And Sting would bring that. And last night and indeed for this entire tour, he's got this guy named Zach Jones, who is he's a capable player. um. He played almost no fills all night long. And and this is... this is Last night wasn't an off night or anything. This is just how Zach plays. Uh, there was no flourishes or any of those things that you would expect out of a Sting drummer. And there wasn't that tension of the drummer kind of pushing things while Sting was pulling things that makes... Really work for the police, but also kind of works for everything else that Sting has done. And so the show... Like, everybody else on stage was playing their ass off and this guy was just playing and it was a little weird watching this uh it it was but we went the four of us went my wife and our two kids and so i wasn't standing next to my wife our son was in between us and usually we'll have like a little i mean we don't talk through the show but you know in song breaks or whatever we'll have some comment or whatever to, to share with each other but we didn't talk at all through the show so as we were walking out she's like I have thoughts about this drummer, but I really want to hear what you have to say, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was like he Zach comes across as very much a songwriter's drummer. Like he was playing the parts to these songs that you would play if it was someone that had written it on an acoustic guitar and was showing you the tune and was just like, hey, come out on Friday night and back me up. Here's how the songs go. Right. Right. And uh, and I was like, yeah, OK, fine. I play two and four and just like kind of, you know, play along and it'll be great. You know, it'll I can I can support that. Sure. But there wasn't the 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 yin and yang of sting versus it's always sting versus the drummer. I mean, I know they work together, but but there's always a little bit of that tension there. And that wasn't there last night. And it was really kind of weird. I, like I, I don't get it. I don't understand why sting wants that kind of drummer with him after a career of playing with you know, heavyweights.
1: Who had this guy played with before?
0: Not many people. Uh, I mean, he's done some studio work in New York. He played with, uh, I can't remember. There was a a kind of a a indie pop band, female singer, songwriter kind of thing that that he had some moderate success with. He played, he recorded drums on that album, uh, 57th and something, whatever Sting did with Shaggy. Uh, I don't know, five years ago or something. He played on a couple of tracks on that. And I guess that, you know, that that's where the relationship began. And then earlier this year, Sting called him for the, for the road. So it was just kind of weird. And, it, and I saw an interview with him uh, earlier this week. Cause I, I was wondering, I'm like, wait, who am I going to get to see? Cause I thought it for some reason, I thought it was Carlock, Keith Carlock. And uh, because he did the most recent tour with Sting. And then Keith was, Playing with um, uh, Krantz, Carlock, and Lefebvre uh, right here at that Jimmy's place. Believe it or not, on uh, that I talked about last week on the show. Mm-hmm. He played there Thursday night. I didn't get to go see him, and I thought, well, that's okay. He's playing there on his off night. You know, I'll see him on on Sunday or whatever. And it's like, and then I looked at their schedule. I'm like, no, I'm not going to see him on Sunday. Who am I going to see? You know. And I found an interview with with this act guy from back in July, and he said, you know, I, the the interviewer asked him, how do you approach stepping into the shoes of of giants of you know drumming royalty. And he's like, you know, I know that I can't play Vinny's part on like seven days like Vinny could, because Vinny's the only one that's going to play it that way. He's like, so I have to interpret these songs my way, which, of course, that's a healthy thing. Great. Fine. And uh, he said that the the band is really kind of loose about this in in the sense of play whatever you want within reason. And if you don't hear anything, everybody's OK with it. You know, if if there's some comment, then they'll come and talk to you and you know dom or uh sting's guitar player has been with him forever or sting will you know say hey change this do this differently or whatever but um yeah i don't know just it was there was no drive from the the drum stool and like if you can imagine police songs without the drummer like on the edge of speeding everything up to the you know being too fast and without any energy and uh, it's just it's a it's weird so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, let me put it this way. This is going to sound terrible, if, as if the rest of this hasn't, by the way. Uh, I have never been at a Sting show before and thought I could do this better. Uh, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I'm usually there watching like Vinny or, or, or Josh Freese or, uh, you know, and when I say Vinnie, I mean Vinny Kaliuta. I, you know, these are people that are like so far beyond what I can do uh, that it's inspiring. And last night was just frustrating. So I mean, weird. Yeah. I, I assume Sting's aware of all of the things I've just said, like this either is his desire or or you know, he's accepted it as his, as his lot in life at 70 years old. I don't know, but I know that he's, it's not lost on him, obviously. Like he knows what's going on on stage and he knows who he hired and the guy's been with him since, you know, February or March or something. So it's not like he had, you know, I don't know.
1: I I think you'll probably get some mail about this, although I'm sure I will be interesting. Yeah. it will be interesting to see if like on any sting fan boards, if anybody else is, is, uh, is feeling the same way. He,
0: he played, uh, he played in New Hampshire here on Friday on Saturday night, but I was playing with fling. So I, we went to Maine last night on Sunday night to see him. and, The reports that came in from, you know, from friends, because there were a lot of people around here that went to see him on on Saturday were like, yeah, the drummer, you know, he was okay, but uh, I don't know. It seemed like maybe he was laid back too much. Maybe they instructed him to lay back too much. It's like, well, from the interview, no, you know, they didn't. Mm. Um, So and one thing was interesting. They had had that song seven days, which is actually in five. And it's got a very interesting pulse in the the kick and the snare play in five. And then the hi hat sort of goes across the bar line. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, it is as Vinnie Kaliuta as any drum part could get right. Like that. It's just one of those things. And, uh, that was one of the songs that he talked about in this interview from like July or something. And they had it in the set up until Saturday night and they swapped it out for spirits in the material world. Now I don't know why, but you know, I mean, things happen through a tour. You decide to retire things and, bring other things mm-hmm. in but it was like as the show started i was like uh, how's this guy going to approach seven days like I, I don't even know like is this song like can he even do it like i don't know and uh but i didn't get the chance to find out so you know whatever it's weird it was weird i was rooting for him all night he, he rarely sort of delivered on on anything it was oh, weird yeah it was weird it was weird yeah it, it, and it was kind of a bummer to be perfectly honest because it was the – every time I've seen Sting in the past, I've said, oh, man, my daughter would love this. And uh, and we did love the show. The rest of the band was on fire. He's got this harmonica player with him that is just outstanding. And uh, two – well, depending on how you count it, somewhere between two and four people uh, singing harmonies. And they are all spectacular. Uh, and then, of course, it's um, – I can't remember Dom's last name, but his, his guitar player. But he's also got mm. Ruf, Rufus, Dom's son, uh, also playing guitar, and the two of them play like everybody played great. Sting sounded great. It was, I mean, it was it was an enjoyable show. It was just kind of weird. So don't yeah, like it. Yeah, I'm curious to to be told I'm wrong, or to be told why <laughs> this. Like, if you have any, you know, infos to how this transpired. Send it to us. Feedback at giggappodcast.com. We will either share it or not share it if, uh, you know, depending on your wishes, I I would love to know. So
1: To scale that back to, you know, like the world that we live in. Yeah. I was thinking that many bands are in the haste to get a band together. Are people picky or do you... Or are you just like, just thankful to, you know, have fine guys who have a, 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 mutual willingness to pay, to play. Are you, the question, the esoteric question is, answer it to yourself. Are you playing with, are you, if you were to do it again, would your, would you be with the same guys that you're with now? And it's not, you know, anything to say out loud.
0: I'm yeah, thinking of what my answers would be. This is interesting. Uh, so I will I yeah. will speak about bands I'm no longer in. So any answers you hear are not about current, yeah. uh, you know, present present band company all excluded here. Um, I have I have done both. I have been in bands that are formed out of let's let's say circumstance, right? You know, especially the mm. early the earlier in life bands, uh, for the most part were we're friends and we play music together. But even those, like there was a selection process of like, well, I, I would rather play with that bass player than, than this guy or that guitar player than this guitar player. That singer is fantastic. It, you know, like those, those kinds of things. I, it's hard to, but I have played in bands where it's just been, especially where I'm hired into the band. Uh, that's very much a circumstantial thing. Now. I mean, I have the,
1: but you're choosing. But I am so choosing saying, every gig. forming a band. Yeah. I'm right. thinking more about, yeah, maybe I should clarify this. I'm That's thinking more important. about when a band puts a, an ad, like a, a Craigslist ad or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So clearly your, your, uh, circle of, of, uh, of acquaintances hasn't yielded the right person for your group. And so you're going out and you're looking to the general public. And, uh, if the guy or girl doesn't completely suck do you, take- do you tend to give the gig to the first person because it's a you know you want that chair filled so bad how picky are you in uh, in uh, you know testing some people and we've done a few things you know in my time we've been too hasty uh and then we've had other times where we've you know been really diligent when we when we replaced joe you yeah. know we did we did drummer auditions and Ooh, that was, you know, actually the, the one that we did the most with was uh, a trombone. When we to do a trombone player, we had three real good guys come in and uh, we had a varying degree of votes for each of the three and the reasons for the votes, you know, one guy would be, oh, that guy's chops were the best. One guy was like, oh, that guy's the best personnel fit for us. One guy was like, I don't think that guy showed what he could really do i've seen him play he can do he can do more right right Right. and sure. uh yeah so you know it was all over the map as to how we came to who we finally give the gig to interesting
0: yeah i yeah i i do remember to your point about you know being hired into a band and then uh and i'm i'm pausing here because i'm trying to decide how how detailed i can get with this without <laughs> offending someone, although I think I've actually told this story with great detail in the past. So I, I, I'm just going to assume I'm safe, uh, but I'm being hired into a band and then choosing, realizing I was choosing to continue playing with them, I- even though I I didn't pick the other members. And it was uh, the band I was in when I first came here to New Hampshire. And it the lineup that originally was in the band was fantastic. And then the bass player wound up not playing with that lineup anymore, and that was a whole weird thing, but uh, there was another bass player brought in, and I realized that I was changing the way I approached the gig because of how much I didn't like playing with this person. It wasn't even that I didn't like playing with this person. I didn't like the way this person played. They were out of tune all the time, and it was kind of a nightmare I would set up my in-ears mix so that I could hear them less, you know, and, uh, and I found that I would have like an extra drink before I went on stage. To sort of like, I I noticed it all
1: it was in your head.
0: It was in my head. Yeah. And it was like, wait a minute. Like I, I remember being at one gig and watching myself or just becoming aware of myself doing this. And it's like, wait, I, mean, I do this at every gig, why am I doing this? Like I I'm, I'm missing my family, you know, my kids are growing up and like, what is the point of this? And so it was at that gig that the nice part about that band was it was there was no commitment to one lineup from either side, you know, the person who ran it, nor from any of us musicians, that the only commitment was if you were offered the gig and you said yes, then you were then you were going to play the gig on that date, whatever the date was, you know? And so I said, look, I know I'm in for, you know, the, the next two weekends or whatever, but uh, if it's, and I, I was very clear, I was like, if it's going to continue to be this bass player, just don't call me anymore. I said, it's just not my thing. <laughs> and and they were like, okay, that's fine. You know, it was fine. And then when they, they stopped playing with that bass player, I wanted up playing with that band for another like three years or maybe even five years. Like it, it was, it actually worked out, but it was one of those things where I noticed like, I, 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 I dislike playing with this person. That's different from I'm tolerating, like they're fine, but they're not the best. Right. That's a, that's a different thing. The different level of picky, I guess, (laughs) Uh, or maybe
1: it's it's kind of a funny thing. So think about what it would take to make you dread doing something you love doing so much.
0: Yeah. I, I, I experienced it. I know it's crazy. Yeah. 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 It was just ruining the nights for me is really what it was. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'm a first of all, I'm a drummer, if you if you didn't know. Uh, and so I'm locking in with the bass player all the time. So I, I've i got to be paying attention to the bass, at least in theory. And then also in that band, I don't think I sang any leads in that band, but I was singing a ton of harmonies like I often do. And for me, my tonal reference for the harmonies by default is the bass. Like if the, if I lose the bass, I, I mean I can still sing harmonies, but it's like oh I'm not comfortable anymore just hearing it from the guitar or whatever. In an acoustic setting, it's different, right? But in a in a rock band, it's just the way my brain works. I get my tonal reference from the bass, and so it's like I was having to do all of this sort of compensation to be able to just deliver what I was there to deliver. Without having to listen to this dude on the bass that I didn't care it was out of tune, I mean it was just like, oh my God, all the time, like I can't deal with this i guess i guess i'm I guess I found where my level of picky was <laughs> really i guess it's a, it's an interesting yeah. question though i would be curious to hear from you folks what your scenarios like that are and uh but you know are are you are you choosing people? where's your where's your barometer right i mean i think this is this is not a binary thing right you know it's there's a continuum here and and where where do you fall on the continuum either with your current band or if you have an interesting story about a past band or something let us know feedback at giggabpodcast.com we we love yeah. to hear it just like you like to hear good this stuff yeah it's good conversation yeah 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 now you got me really thinking but the the uh, I'm not going to say anything about the bands I'm in. It was it was going to be all positive, but I, I wasn't. I'm not even. I, I promised. I, I said I wasn't going to open that door, so I'm not going to open the door. But it was it was going to be all good for the best. I think. I guess. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's good. I like I said at the beginning of the show. I and I mean it. Uh, you know, I lead a charmed life, and the two bands that I get to play with are are a huge part of that. So, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, man. What else do we got? 're asking you're asking interesting well, qu- you're prompting thing good things tonight paul
1: we're deep deep thoughts um so the <laughs> house rockers have three gigs coming jack, with, jack, this coming week jack jack paul handy would
0: be do. you jack handy would be your your you know brother from another mother i guess i don't know
1: that's right yeah um so we have a club date and then we have two more festival dates, and then we 're kind of done with the outdoor mm. part of of the year and um I got a good topic for us to think about. Let's think about it and figure out how to dive in. Okay. I want to turn our our set list over dramatically next year. We have limited rehearsal time. And I'm thinking about strategies for doing that. So, you know, there's a couple of things we have. We have a pretty deep set of songs. We talked about this before. We have a lot of songs, but if they're such great songs, they would still be in the set now, right? So I'm not, you know, there there are going to be some gems that we can pull back out. But limited rehearsal, you know, there's, there's, I think there's some simple songs, you know, that we could probably work up pretty quickly in the, you know, but I don't want it, I don't want it to be changed for the sake of change, but I think there'll be effective songs. But yeah, you know, we're going to spend our winter uh, playing a little bit less, seeing each other a little bit less, um, you know, maybe, maybe one in a month, you know, December, January, February, maybe even to March. So uh, we don't. We don't have any holiday uh, gigs booked. Do you have any holiday gigs booked? I don't think so.
0: Oh, I mean, we've got. Yeah, we've got a a bitter pill gig. Uh, actually, two gigs on Halloween weekend that uh, we're we're gonna.
1: You know, any f- any corporate Christmas parties or private Christmas parties?
0: No, no, no.
1: Public New stuff. Year's Eve. Nothing.
0: I'm not. A, yep, I mean, I'll either. play New Year's Eve. I'm not a huge fan of New Year's Eve. You know. It's, you've, um, you've shared this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll do it. Like it's, it's not like I'm, I have some block against it, but it's also like if I get an offer and it's the right one for the band or whatever, it's sure. Great. I'll do it. But other, I I don't, I don't need a new year's Eve gig
1: for the Yeah. I get it for the
0: sake of, yeah, exactly. For punching that ticket. No, not, it doesn't matter
1: yeah. to me. Yeah. So a strategy, you know, I'll, I'll share what I come up with, but you know, some combination of digging deeper into the stuff, that's worth a second try at, at at making great. The thing is we, as a result of COVID, yeah. as a result of new guys coming into the band, as a result of not having much rehearsal time, we took our a list of all time, a list stuff. And it's about, it's about three to four sets of, of stuff. And that has whittled down when it's a two hour show to our a plus list and it's just working. So you were talking about how your how your bitter pill, you know, you you were you mixed in a couple of things here. I am I am often dealing with my own boredom as balanced out by the great reception we get by doing these types of things. Or yep. the third the third dimension of this is just some desire to, you know, find that thing that not only puts a spark of electricity through the band on stage and then translates into something delightful for the people listening. Right. So there's to find that other thing that, that, you know, can just, you know, the freshness can bring. So um thinking about those types of things.
0: Yeah. I, so I, I, obviously I'll say this just to make sure everybody, we're all on the same page, but when you say you're, you're changing over the set list, you're, you're turning over the set list. You're really turning, turning over the song list. You're, it's not just the order of the songs. It's the songs themselves are changing out. So
1: I, And, and the order they will go in
0: also the order. Right. Yeah, of course. So my, my initial thought for you, and I realize this is intended to be sort of a, an overarching conversation and it will be, but my initial thought as you say, that is all right, well, and this is me being, you know, me being me. This is how I would do it. Uh, is I would say, okay, let's pick the sacred cows right out of the gate, right? What are the songs that you're going to keep no matter what? And, and you, you have to come you, and, or the band, however you're going to, you know, choose to do this. You gotta, you gotta put a fixed number on that, right? Like, okay, is it going to be 10 songs that we're, yeah, we're going to keep these and we're going to be playing these next summer. But you know, you've got to, you've got to look realistically. Okay. How many songs do we play a night? Uh, how much of the song list do we really want to turn over? Is it, is it 70%? Is it 50%? Is it 90%? Right. So figure that out. Find the ones. Okay. These are the ones that are sticking around. The rest have got to go. And I think obviously when it comes to, you know, may and you're about to start taking off, if you don't have enough other songs to fill for the set, I mean, you can always bring them back, right? Like you always know that there's every, everything yeah. is an experiment, but I think you it would be healthy and productive to go into it knowing that, okay, we have, you know, 65 percent of the set that needs to be new. Let's get to work. Let's have this shared mission of creating that, you know, whatever that or learning whatever that is so that it can actually be good and not just different for the sake of different. So, uh, you know, and and that might be the right way to kind of get everybody on the right page together and approach it. Like realistically you're, you know, you're probably going to want the majority of them. Like you said, to be uh, songs that are easier to learn. You might have one, two, three, maybe four songs that are a little more challenging, but you gotta, you gotta pick and choose your battles on those. Right. So that you, you don't overstep or you don't, you know, bite off more than you can chew. I guess is the right way to say it if it, if there is even a right way to say it. But yeah, like that's, right. I don't know. Those are my initial sort of gut reaction thoughts, but.
1: And it, it's, it's the eternal cover band question, right? I mean, I, I was telling you that the band who played before us was, was really good. Yeah. Uh, last Saturday, but they played a GB set. They played jump by Van Halen. They played, they played um, Jesse's girl. They played, you know, they played a GB rock set, right? Yep. We play a GB rock and soul set. And, you know, if you, if you say that there's a hundred songs in a GB book and GB, for those who are new is this concept Dave invented called general business. Oh Did you no. Invent that? General I, business? I, no,
0: I didn't invent that. I learned that when I got here to New England, to Northern New England, I'd never heard it before, but yeah, it's general business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I'm, I'm transfixed by the idea that GB exists and, and most working cover bands are are playing some majority of that, you know, whatever slant of that works in you yeah. know for their particular skill sets, and it's the same stuff, and a lot of it is forty year old material, thirty year material, or fifty year old material. So you know, the desire to do something different and stick out in a new and different way is strong. the The reality realization that it works. The reason that everybody's playing it is that people don't get tired of them. I mean, it just works. The only people getting tired of it is occasionally musicians. So, you know, to pick a strategy about which way you want to go. We could probably play the sets that we're playing for a while. Well, people say, ah, I saw them, you know, good show. You know, I don't need to do it. Or do people really remember? Well, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know that that many people come to see us two nights in a row.
0: Well, that Maybe. that's the thing is like, you know, how often are you playing for the same people? And, and if it's if it's not that often, well, then, you know, like a wedding band, yeah. yeah, wedding band is a great yeah. example of you can literally play the same songs in the same order every night, swap out the Forever. three requests, you know, and and that's it. You know, you're 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 going to be learning new songs as things evolve because you've got the, the requests. And that's kind of a thing with the wedding band. And, you know, every now and then one of those might be like, hey. Uh, we should keep that, you know, like that, and then that's it. Like that's how the the band evolves, and and it's totally fine because you're not playing for the same crowd over and over again. And if you do happen to play for someone that has seen you, they very likely are hiring you because they want exactly
1: the same that, thing. They want that, yes. right?
0: If they're not seeing you every weekend, they you know they saw you two years ago at their cousin Eddie's wedding, and now yeah you know, I want you to play at my daughter's wedding. And so like, can, do you still do that? Yeah. Well, I want that. You know, they, they don't want you to, to oh yeah, no, we changed. Now we're like a, a, a death metal uh, wedding band, but you're going to love it. You <laughs> wait till you hear our version
1: of the chicken dance. Our version of, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, the, the, the time could be just as well spent on, creating cool medleys or, 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 you know, transitions between songs or, you know, some kind of show to your show, those types of things. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. It's the eternal quest, right? You know, to get the, I, I think freshness is good. I mean, I, I like it, but I do certainly understand and have seen the value of that. Just having a really, really polished, you know, GB dominated yeah. show. Yeah, keep you know people keep coming back. Keep coming you know what's back? funny to me is we we played we played a show not too long ago, and someone hadn't seen us for a while came in, and literally we some of the songs we're doing we've had for a long time, and to have someone who has seen us fairly often come in and say, "Oh, I love the new stuff you
0: added."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so. <laughs> yeah, not so.
0: Not so. That's okay though. So, yeah. It's um, yeah, it's interesting. So I don't know. I I'm curious. I I'm, I'm curious to both be a fly on the wall and, and, be the peanut gallery as well while you're going through this process i'll happily share my yeah. thoughts and and i will fully expect you to throw them away and i'll be fully incensed when you do so that'll be great no i won't be
1: it's so i i heard a song from a band i'd heard of this band the other day uh, i've known of this band for a while but didn't really know them they're, they're you know kind of a a new generation but this this um vampire weekend do you know them yeah, I I I I like that band. I I
0: saw them I was at the South by Southwest. They're
1: a really big deal actually.
0: Yeah, I was there and literally throughout the week watched them go from I was in the club. I I got I got word about them early in the week and I saw them with like 30 people and then, by the end of the week, there was literally a line all the way around the block to try and get into the club mm-hmm. and I saw them obviously it was a packed you know packed night, but yeah they're and yeah. i 've seen them since then i 've gone like to their you know when they tore around yeah they're I like that band they 're a good band, but, yeah,
1: but i, I just kind of like me you know i'm i 'm only about forty years late to everything so i <laughs> I just heard some of their stuff, and it's just, "Oh this is awesome, and they're like, well, wouldn't it be cool to take one of the songs and you know and we have it and then we'll appeal to It'll surprise some people, but it's a great dance groove. No matter who it is, yep. And but it's good to get some fresh younger stuff. And I actually wonder why are there not bands that are playing the best of? Uh, there's not cover bands that that would play that type of material and put a good dance show together where they could play the you know the festivals and the concert series that we play uh, of of mostly. Like indie rock that's danceable indie rock. I don't know. I just you just don't see it enough. It's really really great it's, music.
0: It's true. You're right because some of those tunes would work great in the midst of you know a, a like you could you could build a GB gig uh, with stuff that's new. I, and I realize I'm I'm mixing definitions here, but you could accomplish the same goal of songs that people know and are danceable and all the things that you know a, a gb cover band is typically tasked or expected to do and you don't need to play the sweet home alabama you don't need to go that deep or maybe you know maybe you yeah. mix it and do both i don't but you know like the, yeah you're right no no one's well i guess the question is
1: do you have to right like the gb well, book and exists, because it exists. yeah 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 i mean you look at the Cover band central videos that bands posts. It's it's cheap GB music. It's just it's still Sweet Home Alabama or yeah. you know. And there's anyway, nothing, I, I will say there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. No, no. I, I Sweet nothing Home
0: Alabama is a, a, a well written song. Mustang Sally is a well written song. It it's just.
1: Any nope. song where you play the first riff and people scream and, and you know, stand get into up. it right away. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, a, but here's a challenge here. It's okay. If you're out there listening out there in, in podcast land, help us craft oh. the ultimate. If you were, if you're, if you're, if you're 30 years old, what would be the, what would be the ultimate set list that you could play now where you could go up against all the other old guy GB bands that are getting quite a bit, at least in my area, they're getting, they're getting a lot of the work. It's classic ah. rock, classic, rock, classic rock or classic funk, maybe, you know, yeah, right, But what, right. what what would be an awesome set list of, and again, not, not, I, let's just not, let's say rap, let, let's just say rock, you know, guitar based music, right? So what would be awesome set list? Send us your, I, I would love it. I, I, like I said, that, I just got turned on by this Vampire Weekend. I thought they were awesome. They're a great band, and I could definitely see that working. Yeah, great yeah, band, yeah. great grooves, great, great, great
0: grooves. Do you know about the Alabama Shakes?
1: I do. Saw okay. them. They actually, okay. I play. I uh, I told you I went to that um, when Springsteen got the um, oh yeah Music Cares Award. Yeah, they they uh, they played uh, "Adam Raised the Cane at that. And it was they were great? She Got was it. great.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. They they were another one of those bands that I saw. That, like the same thing happened. I saw them with no mm. one in the room at the beginning of a South by Week, and at the end, you'd
1: line around the block. But uh, but they were I, supposed to be the next big thing, and then and then I actually have not heard much from them in, in quite a while. Well,
0: I think Brittany Howard sort of broke off on her own. Uh, okay,
1: is, is she doing you, well?
0: I, I I don't know, but I, I think that's. I mean, you could you you could see that happening right out of the gate. It was like, I mean, this band's yeah. good, but. It's her. She
1: was a different level.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's like, that's great. Like if it works for all of them and they can continue together fine, but if she chooses to break off on her own, she's not going to have any trouble. You know, you guys are her backing band is, is is how that was presented at least by that point in time. So yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. All right. Well, we've got Send send us your song suggestions. You know, any any kind of '90s indie rock type stuff that could actually be a GB set list for the next generation.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share this with my family too. Cause I have, I have some, you know, 20 somethings yeah. in my house.
1: Not pop, not Ed Sheeran, not Harry Styles. Like, like no, indie I'm... rock that made its way through to the, you know, to whatever the mass listening audiences are. You know, I was going to say on the radio, but it's not necessarily the radio, right?
0: Well, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, the, the, I, well, and maybe this is a good way to frame it here too. I, my daughter, because of the what she does for work, she works as an event planner and, and with companies that does that. Uh, she winds up at a lot of weddings. That's just sort of how it works. And she sees different bands. And so and she thinks about the music. She is very like, you know, it, it, I mean, she's my daughter. So anyway, uh, I have a feeling she will have some great thoughts about what this set list could be, because, it that you know, that would be the thing is like what. What would work at a wedding as long as the crowd was, you know, I mean, the, the target crowd, you're always going to parents and everything, but yeah, the under 40 crowd. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like what? Are, I love it. Even if half the set is that right. Like, I mean, for a wedding, you probably need to do both. You still got to play September, you know, those sorts of things. But, uh, you know, what, what, what are the, what's the other half of the set list look like? So yeah,
1: that's love good. It. I love it. Please send in your ideas.
0: Feedback at podcast I love it. This is why I love doing this show. I'm all excited. I I when I got here tonight I told you I'm like, oh man, I'm tired, I'm worn out. Now look at me. Gotta oh, save
1: you from I, that sting debacle that you went through. Yeah, it's just, I, that drummer, not always performing. You always be performing.
0: Guess, yeah, everybody, always be performing. That's right. Later!